When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday, the 20th of November. I'm Tim Spears, and on today's show, how can Everton be saved? I think, though, the, the way out is the stadium. Records are smashed in the Euros qualifiers. Well, he already had a hat trick in this group. This is his first time getting four in a match. And who won the big Manchester derby in the WSL? United self-destructing, sure. Oh, brilliant! Lauren Hemp and Manchester City have turned it around. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. The fallout from Everton's record points deduction continues as the club face up to the prospects of restarting their Premier League campaign this weekend on just four points. The Toffees' 10-point deduction for breaching financial rules, the biggest punishment ever handed out to a Premier League club, presents them with another huge challenge as they continue to address their serious financial issues. Matt Slater has been dissecting it all for a special report for The Athletic in which he outlines just how perilous the financial situation is and what's next for Everton in terms of new owners and a new stadium how did it get so bad Matt I suppose the simplest way to think about it is it's overspending it's it's quite sort of dramatic overspending ever since Farhad Mashuri took over in early 2016 and he really really wanted to make he wanted to do a couple of things a couple of big significant things he wanted to return Everton if you like to the to the business end of the Premier League where they haven't really been for, for quite some time get them competing in Europe and he wanted to build them an amazing stadium, right? And the sort of two bits would sort of go hand in hand. And he, the sort of both bits have been expensive and both bits have kind of, you know, the same thing, I don't think it'd be, it'd be harsh to say it's gone wrong, but the timing wasn't great. His plan for funding it has sort of unraveled. Yeah, it's sort of a real catalogue of poor recruitment repeatedly. Um, running too hot, and then they ran into COVID, and they, they were just they were just so vulnerable, and it just just yeah spiraled out of control. So, can you outline just how much money they lost? The losses were dramatic, remarkable. Um, they they lost three hundred and seventy million over three years. It's sort of four hundred and thirty million over four or five years. Okay, the losses are getting better, i.e., not as bad, and they have the the, the trend is better, but in those early years of Mashiri. They were throwing money around. It was like £120 million pound loss, £140 million pound loss. I can't remember the name. You know, it's just big, big losses. And and there's sort of this sort of sense that that's fine. Is it, is it fine? Is it fine for a, for a football club that earns that much money in broadcast revenue and to, to lose that much money? It, it doesn't feel, doesn't seem fine to me. So, yeah, pretty bad, I would say. Obviously, there are things coming up on the horizon here for Everton in the near future, Matt. How do they get out of this mess? They're for sale. They've been for sale for a while. Again, this is partly to do with, you know, the the financial disarray and, you know, can Mashiri sort of carry on any longer. I think, though, the, the way out is the stadium. You know, lots of people have sort of seen the stadium as this problem, as this, oh, God, well, that's just, you know, that, that was the, the thing that kind of sent Everton over the edge. You know, maybe it was part of it, but I think it's the way out because I think it's going to be a great stadium. 
It's two thirds done. It's sort of two thirds paid for. I think it's going to be special. And I think people see that as a, as almost the best bit. You know, that if you look at the kind of the sales prospectus, you know, the brochure, you have a loss making football club at the wrong end of the table that really does need a bit of an overhaul. But you have an amazing stadium. There is, there is a future. So I think that's the way out. Thanks, Matt. You can read Matt's in-depth piece on The Athletic now, plus there'll be a deeper dive into Everton's woes in The Athletic Football podcast out today. The main stage of qualification for next summer's European Championship is coming to a close. The Netherlands, Serbia, Romania and Switzerland all booked their spots in Germany over the weekend, while Italy, Ukraine, Czech Republic, Slovenia and Kazakhstan are vying to join them when they play their final group games tonight. Scotland had already reached the tournament with two games to spare, so they basically had a party at Hampden Park last night, drawing 3-3 with Norway, who were missing the injured Erling Haaland. In the same group, Spain finished their campaign with a 3-1 win over Georgia, but it was a bad night for Spain and Barcelona as midfielder Gavi went off with a very serious-looking knee injury. There are concerns his season could be over. Elsewhere, Romelu Lukaku scored four as Belgium beat Azerbaijan 5-0. In doing so, Lukaku broke a record for the most goals in a Euros qualification campaign ever with 14. He's also become the seventh highest scorer in men's international football history with 83 goals in 113 Belgium games. And talking of scoring 14 goals in a Euros campaign, France did that in a single match on Saturday, obliterating Gibraltar 14-0 in what was a record win for France and also for any team in Euros history. Kylian Mbappe scored a hat-trick and 17-year-old PSG starlet Warren Zaire Emery netted on his debut, although he also went off injured. France will look to end their group with a perfect 100% record in Greece on Tuesday. The only other nation to do that is Portugal, who finished with 10 wins from 10 when they beat Iceland 2-0 on Sunday night. Back to Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes and Ricardo Horta were on the score sheet for Roberto Martinez's side. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Talking of records, the biggest ever Old Trafford crowd for a women's match were in attendance for the Manchester derby on Sunday evening. In front of 43,615, Manchester City came from behind to win 3-1 and keep their title challenge just about on track, responding to Katie Zellum's early penalty for United with goals from Jill Roard, Lauren Hemp and Khadija Shaw as they ran out fairly comfortable winners. Carl Anker was there for the Athletic. Carl, Manchester City came into this match with the best defence in the league. I mean, they gave up a penalty against United, but is this is this City defence good enough to challenge for the title, do you think? Yes, Manchester City really, really impressive in their defensive efforts. I think injury inhibited a lot of their play last season to defend well. What was really impressive is how they defend out from the back. Uh, Keita Keaton, the teenage goalkeeper, is a phenomenal talent. There are two or three moments where you think she's overawed by the occasion before she quickly shakes her head and gets completely locked in. Uh, a remarkable young goalkeeper. I think Mark Skinner played Leah Goldson at left back in an attempt to have more than uh, the uh, preferred amount of attackers and overload Keating, but she was up to the task as well. I think the City team can realistically challenge for a title. However, I also think that the title is Chelsea's until proven otherwise. And talking of defences, the last two City goals came directly from United defensive errors and miscommunication. Is that a bit of a concern and issue for United going forward or just a blip? 
I think the concerning thing is not just the defensive errors and miscommunication, but also just how shaky Manchester United look when they're trying to build out from the back. City attacked really, really wide in his sort of 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3. What was also really interesting was they pressed really, really hard. They really tried to test Mary Epps' short passing, which perhaps isn't a strongest trait. And they also really got into Maya Letizia and to Katie Zellum. Katie Zellum had two or three bits where she came onto the ball without properly scanning uh, and then City Press just jumped her and pilfered her pockets. Uh, and then Letizia was noticeably off colour, perhaps one of her poorer games in a United shirt. Uh, and she too really got jumped early two or three times in build-up. This is something that Skinner will have to work on in future games because United do want to play out from the back. They do want to be able to pass around and through teams' presses. But if you press as well as City do, you can really, really, really trouble. Elsewhere in the WSL this weekend, leaders Chelsea thrashed Liverpool 5-1 with Lauren James scoring a hat-trick, while Arsenal kept pace three points behind with a 3-0 victory at Brighton. And over in Spain, yet another record was broken this weekend when Vicky Lopez became the youngest ever scorer in El Clasico, either for a men's or for a women's match, when the 17-year-old netted in Barcelona's 5-0 hammering of Real Madrid. You can hear more about that and the WSL action from this weekend in Full Time Europe, which is out later today. Plenty of football on tonight, including England in action away at North Macedonia in their final Group C match. That's on Channel 4 at 7.45pm. Also in Group C, the big winner-takes-all between Ukraine and Italy is on at the same time on Viaplay, as is the other big winner-takes-all between, well, Slovenia and Kazakhstan. Over in the States, you can watch all those games at 2.45pm Eastern Time, while a few hours later at 7pm Eastern Time, it's Trinidad and Tobago v USA in the CONCACAF Nations League. Right, that's all for today's briefing. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, we're running a Black Friday deal all this week. Head to theathletic.com slash briefing for a $1 or £1 a month offer for 12 months. Thanks for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. I'll be back with you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great start to your week. The Athletic.